Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. This is the Red Raider Outfitter Rockin' Pregame on 101.1 The Beard. Sponsored by Mitch Hall Chevrolet, Chrome, and Hook and Reel. It's time to release the Rockin' 25 college basketball poll on the Rockin' Pregame. College basketball has had upsets all over the place. Once again, we have our rocketologist from the Rockin' 25 College Basketball Poll. We're joined by analytics consultant from Haslametrics.com, Eric Haslam, and Rockin' 25 voter Tony Patelis. Rockin' 25 teams are holding court at home, but the road is a different animal this year. How tougher is the road for teams, Eric? Well, aside from last year when road games were uh, were a different animal because of the pandemic, you know, you didn't have many fans in arenas and that certainly impacted the uh, dynamic of the home court advantage aside from that there are a couple factors at play here first when i create my game forecasts at haslametrics.com i use an across the board blanket adjustment to account for home court advantage and it's based on the numbers from the 2019-2020 season not the 2021 season when there were no fans in the stands using those numbers if you take two teams with say average game pace that are ranked very close to each other in performance rankings. Going from a neutral court game to one that's home or away accounts for about a three and a half point shift in the margin of victory. So if you make the shift from one team's home court to the opposing team's home court, you're roughly talking about a seven point shift in margin of victory. That kind of blanket adjustment is used universally within my forecast. So every game projection you see on my website utilizes this home, this home court advantage. The other factor, which is not explicitly factored into my projections, is home court advantage on a team-by-team basis. It's not factored in because the sample size of home games for each team each year just isn't large enough to be 100% dependable, um, especially early on in the season. That's not to say it's completely useless. In fact, I do have a metric called AFH, which stands for away from home, versus all of the performances from the current season. So you're looking at the entire batch of games versus all those games where you're not playing at home. By doing that comparison, you can get a sense of which teams might have a greater um, home court advantage than others. So a good example, take Purdue, take Rutgers. Those are great examples of teams that typically have poor AFH numbers each year. You know how good those teams are in their home arena. So it'll make sense that their away from home metrics don't sparkle as much as their home court stats do. And you can use that knowledge to give you a better sense of times where you might want to add, say, an extra half a point or a point to a projected margin of victory. Well, let's release the Rockin' 25 with Gonzaga on top with 10 of the 14 first-place votes. Purdue is up three to second. Kentucky holding third. Auburn down three to fourth. Arizona is up five to fifth. Tony, what makes Gonzaga scary and yet not really facing a test in the West Coast Conference? Well, when you talk about not facing a test, I think that's pretty much just a myth uh, when you're talking about, you know, I think people who say that are casual college basketball fans who start watching in February and March. Gonzaga plays one of the best non-conference schedules in the country every single year. 
I can understand where somebody might say, okay, they might fall asleep a little bit during WCC play because, you know, the league is generally not strong, but they're one of the best teams in the country. They have some of the best talent in the country, so I don't really think that's a big factor. As you see from their success in the NCAA tournament the last, say, five, six years, uh, they've advanced to the second weekend or, or farther every year, so I, I don't think that even matters. Uh, they'll be fine. You know, they have, like I said, the best talent in the country, so I don't think that's a big factor once it comes to uh, March play. I still think they're the odds-on favorite to win the whole thing, and I the, the reason I say that is because when they lost to Baylor, when they got blown up by Baylor in that championship game last year, I remember seeing Drew Timmy um, getting his group together and kind of, you can almost see by the body language he was telling his teammates, know how this feels this this feels terrible i want you to remember this because next year we do it right at that moment i kind of thought you know even though you lose suggs you lose kispert you do plug in guys like holmgren i don't think this is as good a gonzaga team as last year's was but i think the field also is a little bit down so in my opinion that old argument that they just don't play anybody, I just roll my eyes. It's only a matter of time before Gonzaga wins the whole thing. Non-conference, buddy. In my opinion. 6 through 10 of the Rocket 25 has a big 12 trio of Kansas, Texas Tech, and Baylor. 6 through 8. Future big 12 member Houston is ninth, and Duke is 10th. Eric, what do the numbers show about these top 10 teams that really separates them from the rest of the NCAA. I mean, Tony, which two teams would you not trust from the top ten? Well, I think it comes down to balance. And I made mention of this a little bit last week. In my opinion, teams that are the biggest threat to win the national championship have really kind of three things. A, you have upperclassmen experience. B, the ability to consistently shoot from distance. And C, maybe most importantly, you need balance, meaning you need proficiency on both ends of the court. And when you look at the 10 teams that we just listed, eight of those 10 are top 25 in both offensive and defensive efficiency. The only two that aren't, let's look at them. One of them is Purdue, who is 69th in defensive efficiency. Now, Purdue really relies on offense. They're number one in offensive efficiency, number one in adjusted three-point percentage, number two in adjusted near proximity percentage. They can convert from the outside and the inside, and they're number one in second-chance conversion percentage. They clean the offensive glass. The thing about Purdue is at some point your shooters will go cold. It happens to everyone. So you need you need to be able to stop one, someone defensively at some point. Think of Ohio State last year. Great offensive team. Just could not get it done on the, defend, on the defensive end. And they ended up getting burned early in the tournament. Lost to Oral Roberts. The other team is your Red Raiders. 34th in offensive efficiency. They make up for it with defense. Number four in defensive efficiency. But... Their bottom half of Division One in three-point attempt rate, their bottom half of D1 in adjusted three-point percentage. It's the same kind of thing as Purdue, but just in reverse. At some point, you got to make some shots. So there are going to be some obvious flaws that each of those two teams, like Purdue and Texas Tech, need to address in order to win six straight games in March. But more often than not, the elite teams we've listed have that balance that you need to survive. And for that reason, one of them is like to emerge as the national championship on April 4th. I think Houston is one of those teams. As good as Kelvin Sampson is as a coach, I think their injuries will hold them back. You know, Marcus Sasser is one of the best scorers in the country. Not having him is huge. What they've done without those guys that they've lost is pretty impressive. But once you come up against the the top competition in college basketball, I think it's really hard to get over that hump. So I would say Houston, I would also say Texas Tech, unfortunately, because 
as good as they are defensively, I don't know if they run into a, a suit a really good offensive team. I don't know if they have enough bullets firepower to you know hang with a team like that, like say a Gonzaga or, or a Kansas or somebody like that in a big game. So I would probably say Texas Tech and Houston were the, are the two teams that I would uh, mention. Exclusive to the Rocket pregame, the Rockin' 25 college basketball poll with our Rocketologist Eric Haslam and Tony Patelis. The middle five of the Rockin' 25 has Wisconsin up 1 to 11, Villanova at 12, UCLA falling to 13, Providence up to 14, and Illinois down to 15. Tony, is Villanova the best the Big East has to offer, and will any Big East team make it to the second weekend? I think when you really break it down, I would probably still have to have Villanova as the top team in the conference. The Big East is such a tough league. You know, I think besides a team like Georgetown, Butler, anybody can beat anybody on any given night. So I would still put, if you look at it on paper, I think you still have to have Villanova at the top. Marquette has done really well. Seton Hall is is up and down, but they've had some big wins. But I think Villanova... With their coaching and their roster, they certainly have some flaws. Their depth is an issue. They don't have a lot of size up front, but Jay Wright is such a fantastic coach. And when you really break it down, I still think Villanova is the top team in that conference. And then Providence is, you know, a, a team in the Big East that is such a just a, a, a head scratcher for the analytics guys. This is a team that's sixth in my performance rankings right now in the Big East alone. But if you look nationally, they're second in record quality. So there's a team that just goes out there, finds ways to win games, but then when they play these cellar dwellers, they're only eking out these single-digit victories. It's really frustrating for an analytics guy to determine how good Providence really is. And it will be interesting to see here in the next week or so where they're going to land in that top 16 reveal, if they will even land in that top 16 reveal from the committee. Well, 16 through 20 of the Rockin' 25 college basketball poll, Ohio State is up 1 to 16. Tennessee jumps up 2 to 17. Texas returns to the top 25 after upsetting Kansas. Michigan State's 19, and Arkansas joins the 25 after beating Auburn. Which was the bigger upset, Eric, and will we see more of them before the month is over? Well, neither was much of an upset in my opinion. Our projection at Haslametrics.com had Auburn favored by roughly a point and a half or or two points. Arkansas wins that game by four in overtime. And Texas was actually favored for us. It was practically a dead heat, separated by just two one-hundredths of a point in our forecast. The Longhorns win that game by three. You know, there will always be upsets. Athletes are occasionally unpredictable. And frankly, the upsets are a big part of what draws the casual fan towards college basketball. You saw it on Monday when Virginia beat Duke. You saw it on Wednesday when SMU beat Houston. Granted, those are not major upsets, but, you know, you go back to Virginia and UMBC and the NCAA tournament a few years ago. Sometimes things happen with very little explanation of why they occur. We're going to continue to see these in the, in the coming weeks. You always get a fair share of upsets in the conference tournaments. And of course, the NCAA tournament as well. It's part of the game part of the reason why I love it. But circling back to the original question, neither the Arkansas win nor the Texas win were huge upsets. But for argument's sake, I suppose the Arkansas win was the less likely of the two and hence the bigger upset. Well, the final five of the Rockin' 25 has You Can't Trust Marquette at 21, Murray State at 22, UConn at 23, Xavier at 24, and Wyoming at 25. Tony, Gonzaga and Murray State are the only two teams that have more quad four victories than quad one, two, and three combined. Is Murray State a second weekend team, and what's the most interesting factor about them? They're definitely a really good basketball team. I probably would say no. 
regarding his second weekend run. Um, I think we get a little too enamored with some of these mid-major teams, as good as they are. It's it's so difficult for any team to make a run in the NCAA tournament, whether you're Gonzaga, Kansas, or whoever. Uh, for a team at that level, like an OVC team, it, it's even harder. You know, it, it, that's why we we rarely see it. So, I would probably say no. They might win a game. Uh, I, I would give them that. But uh, going to the second weekend is a really tough task, regardless of who you are, and especially if you're at a level like the OVC. So, I'd probably say no on Murray State. Not a lot of a challenging games so far this year. I think they've only they're only two and one versus quadrant one, one and zero oh versus quadrant two. There always is that concern of is a team really prepared to meet the the higher level opposition. I think Murray State could possibly climb up to that eight or nine line, but you know you're talking if you win that game, you're facing a one seed. Are they going to give a one seed a challenge? I wouldn't rule it out. You saw it last year with Loyola Chicago, but that's a that's a real tall order for Murray State to be honest. Other teams receiving votes: Alabama, Boise State, Davidson, Indiana, Iowa. Loyola, Chicago, LSU, Miami, North Carolina, Oregon, St. Mary's, and USC. Eric, as we get closer to the NCAA tournament uh, releasing their first 16 ranking, where do you see the top eight going? Well, I've got Auburn, Gonzaga, Purdue, and Kansas on the one line. That seems to be the popular consensus right now. Uh, my bracketology deserves agree for the most part. The only difference is it, you might want to flip Gonzaga and Purdue. The two line is a little bit trickier, I think. Arizona, Kentucky, and Baylor are comfortably on that two-line as of Thursday afternoon, both from a performance ranking and a resume perspective. The question then is what the committee does for that open spot. Do they go performance ranking, in other words, a team's true abilities, and maybe reward Duke the two-line? Or do you decide to reward resume, in other words, what a team has really accomplished, in which case you have a Wisconsin or a Providence in, in the discussion? The Badgers... Q1 wins as anyone else that I checked. Do you reward that? Providence is 5-1 Q1. They're 20-2 overall. Do you reward that? Part of me wishes that the committee went more with the team's actual accomplishments instead of what could be phrased as their perceived abilities. You know, reward teams, how they actually perform from a wins and losses and strength of schedule perspective. I think the NCAA's big fear of doing that is being ridiculed for giving a, a quote-unquote break by placing them opposite of a two-seed Wisconsin. or it's, I suspect that's their fear. And based on what I've seen from the committee in the past, they tend to place more weight on a team's true ability. So I, I guess I'd bet on a team like Duke probably getting the nod over a Wisconsin or a Providence for that open slot in the two-line. That's just the trend I've seen from the committee in the past, and I would not expect it to change now. It's the Rockin' 25 College Basketball Poll with our Rocketologist Eric Haslam and Tony Patelis. Which, which game, guys, is the game you have to watch out for in the next week? I'm going with Texas and Baylor. Um, two teams that seem to going, be going in the opposite directions. While I don't think Baylor is going in the that direction, a lot of people do. Texas just had a huge win over Kansas, so that's a game that you got to really look at. Uh, Baylor is a team that needs to make a statement quick. They've had a lot of injuries. They've been banged up. So I don't really, you know, judge them too much. But most people are judging them. They're not believing them anymore. So I would go with that game. Texas is a team that still needs a couple, you know, quality wins to, you know, bump them up a seed line or two. So I would go with Texas-Baylor. I've gone with the Mountain West twice in a row. Both great games, both Wyoming overtime victories. But let's try something else this time for the sake of argument. I'm going to go next Tuesday for the Kentucky-Tennessee matchup in Knoxville. 
both of these teams well in the mix to be mentioned in the top 16 reveal next week. If you remember, this matchup wasn't much of a contest the first time at Rupp Arena on January 15th. Kentucky hung 107 points on the volunteer defense, which is one of the best defenses in the land. Won that game by 28 points. The Wildcats shot an incredible 68% from the floor in that game, including 11 of 18 from three. They actually even made 20 of 21 of their free throws. Just an unconscious, just an unconscious shooting day for Kentucky. Uh, and maybe I'm Captain Obvious here, but I expect this one next Tuesday to be far more competitive. Tennessee has been playing better basketball now, fresh off of two positively rated performances. Both road wins, one over South Carolina, another over Mississippi State. Kentucky still gets the nod per our projections, but, you know, it's roughly a point at this stage. That's the difference, the margin of victory. The projection at this point is for Kentucky to score just 71 points here. So let's see if that number five defense of Tennessee actually shows up this time on their home floor. Well, friends, where can we find your work? I'm on Twitter, at Tony Patelis. I just talk mostly college basketball, and I mix in a little humor, so you can check me out there. And as always, people can find my ratings, my rankings, my projections, my bracketology over at Haslametrics.com. Otherwise, you can find me on Twitter going hashtag analytically final at, at Haslametrics. Well, our thanks to Rockin' 25 voters Eric Haslam and Tony Patelis for breaking down the analytics and the teams. The Rockin' 25 college basketball poll is always available at 101thebeard.com. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. Thank you. <laughs> There's some humor from Tony there. <laughs> you know, uh, man, we've been talking tech basketball, tech football. Tech football. We talked about the offense, the roster coming back. We're going to talk about the, the defense coming up out of the break. So come back with us. It's the Red River Outfitter rocking pregame on 101.1.